Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And I am actually uh, currently, as I speak to you right here, right now, looking for a new best friend. <laughs> what, pray tell why, Pete? Uh, because I got a, a book, because I'm an influencer, mind you. I got a book here called Church Plantology. Oh, what a nice looking book. And it has a nice letter. Dear, dear cherished friend. It does have this, uh, a letter from the author, a dear friend, it's finally here. Anyway, uh, I didn't it, write that. all I did was jump right to the acknowledgements because, you know, like I'm going to waste my time reading a book. Let's find the part about me. <laughs> that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Too. This is why our friendship works. Because you're not even ashamed about it. Why would I be ashamed about that? I'm proud of who I am. What I totally dig about you, man. To quote Rod Tidwell. Oh, so I, I look it up, right? It's just, you know, it's page after page of acknowledgments. I was a little bit upset that I wasn't very, very first acknowledged. But uh, you say your brother is your best friend. And I was like, wait, what? I need a Tinder for like friends. Where I could like find me a new friend because apparently uh, it's not mutual our, our friendship. It's yeah, but, not on the but same I level. I have a few best friends, but but he, he's my brother. He's my brother. <sighs> there are people who were born into your life, and supposedly you know there's this connection, but the reality is the friend you choose is always stronger. Than this dude who just happened to be there when you were born. I was stuck with my brother, Pete. You I, were. I picked you. I, I, that's all I'm saying. And all I okay. get is this, and, and you know, this Pete Mitchell dude, uh, yeah. if I didn't put his name in the book, I'd get in trouble. I mean, that's you, basically you, what you You said. make a strong argument there, Pete. I can't lie. You, you make a good point. But... Uh, I was proud of myself for putting you in the book, especially after dissing you. In the, but fair play, I didn't name anyone in the last book. Well, and I, I did, mean, you were in the acknowledgments, though. You if I was going to, like, you know, brag, I did get my name in there twice. So, I mean, that mm. should be worth something. It's only worth something. But, but here's the downside. Um, the first time I'm mentioned is on page 417, and it's a <laughs> long line. And it only gets my first name on that page. And so you have to literally flip really? the page to see, oh, it's Pete Mitchell. It's that one. 
So, you know. But you could say that my one reference about you took up two pages. Uh, oh, man. What I thought was Remember, funny- you're a marketer. You got to put that spin out. You know, his reference of me took up two pages. I, That's I a marketing like that. spin. See, I, I like learned that. from you. Yeah. So uh, I decided today uh, to go on the Church Planner Podcast iTunes page and look at our reviews again. <laughs> Cause I haven't looked at them in forever. Cause I saw that. Did you see that, that thing I posted on Facebook? Yeah. Where I'd like circle this guy. Oh, he's a failed church planner. Cause he gave us two stars and this guy, Oh, he never launched. He's a two star <laughs> guy as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I had to go back and, and endure the pain. The guy who would give us planner fourth, podcast, dude, church planner podcast used to bite back. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> So um, one guy had given us four stars. And so I'd, I'd commented, he meant to tap the five button. You know, cause <laughs> <laughs> I think he went back and changed it because there's no His longer a four star on our, our, our review page. But now there's a third two star. I mean, it's been there for years, but, you know, and, and they all say the same thing. There's too much fluff at the beginning. I got to wait through 20 minutes of their friendship before I get on with the good stuff. Our, our, our theory of the church plant was church planner podcast was you're banned. You're banned from the podcast. You may no longer listen to the podcast. Hey, I'll give you your money back. If it's not good enough, if it doesn't you used to say that at the end. If you didn't like the podcast, I'll give you your money back. Is that still on back. there? I have no idea. Who knows? Who listens to the podcast? I don't listen to it. Spoken like a marketer. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things. Oh, we can't forget to do the ad today. Well, do the ad. It's your ad. Apparently, apparently you you have to remember to do the ad. I don't have to do anything. All right. So when we transition into the talk, I will remember to do it. I think. Uh, We'll see how it goes. So, uh, so what's up, dude? What's up in your life? I got nothing going on in my life. I didn't drop a book or anything yesterday. So tell, tell me what's going on in yours. I don't know that I have much going on in mine. So we get to talk this whole episode about my podcast or about, about your book, podcast, my bookie book. Yeah. And see, this is how I know our friendship's in trouble. You, you, <laughs> you've decided to do another podcast with other more important influencers. Yeah, I'm two timing on you big time. You I mean Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I have I have been all over people. I will say this other other podcasters. I, I did because one time I was telling you, I'm like, oh man, I'm thinking about starting another podcast. I want to do it on marketing and blah blah blah. And you're like, look, man, if I can help you out in any way, I'm like, dude, you would be like the perfect person for me to do a podcast with because we play so well together. Oh yeah. But I'm like and- and I'm I can't like even get man. you to I can't even get you to show up for this one on time. There's no way you would show up for that I one. I never miss this one except for last week. No, I'm teasing. I, I I don't I don't miss this. I used to be kind of sporadic. That is true. But I, <laughs> I you gotta admit, I'm kind of here all the time now. Except for when I go on vacation. Which you got some Mondo vacations, man. You're you're a real family man. I've said that about you. I'm a better friend. You're a better family man. I don't know, though, because you, you seem to take some good vacations. I mean, you guys are just on vacation. No, no, not like you guys. You guys, I mean, you guys go on some great vacations, and a lot of them, too. Well, you know, I, I have a woman, you know, I must keep her in furs. She's expensive. She likes she likes the finer things in light. No, I'm teasing. No. And, and you know, it's funny. We, we just went to Catalina like a couple weeks ago. Oh, how was that? Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I mean, March is the time to go to Catalina Island. All I can tell you about Catalina is I worked for this company and every year they had employee appreciation day. Did I tell you the story? No. And every year they went to Catalina. They took all the employees, like a hundred to 200 employees to Catalina. Literally we went to Catalina, got off the boat, walked right to the bar, started drinking and then would walk back to the boat and get back on it and go back. I'm like, why are we going to Catalina to go to a bar? This doesn't make it like we we could have all just, you know, save the, the hour and a half boat ride to Catalina. But, you know, man, well, I tell you what, we uh, we went there. I had an amazing day. Um, we went there. The girls went snorkeling and I, I played 
this cool, you know, that little like, uh, it's not, I don't know, you're holding like little circles and you got tennis balls and they're like Velcro. You throw them back and forth. Oh, yeah, Eden, yeah, sure. Eden's got an arm. She's going to make daddy rich one day. But uh, yeah, so we, we, you know, I played that with her because she's a little afraid of sharks and stuff. So, but I'm telling you, man, we. Uh, did you see the we, flying fish? I did not, but I think the girls saw it because they went paddle boarding. Oh, and, I uh, see. I always saw them on the boat right over. Yeah, we saw, um, we saw a lot of dolphins. So that was kind of cool. That is cool. And what are, what are the ones porpoises? We saw porpoise. What's the difference between a dolphin and a porpoise? A porpoise is like the poor man's dolphin, Pete. They're like the uh, the dwarf. The one's edible person. and one's toxic. I've eaten dolphin meat. I don't know if that's bad, but I barbecued some on my honeymoon. Because I went to the supermarket. They had dolphin meat. And I said, oh, cool, man. Dolphin meat. Never had that. So I cooked it up. Uh, un, un, unaware that this was very non-PC. That it was flipper? dolphin meat. You were eating Yeah, flipper? I mean, it was good. It tastes like swordfish. I liked it. I, I would eat it again if it weren't forbidden. <laughs> yeah, uh, Paul like, said, uh, Paul said, it's okay. Whatever you eat. I'm just saying, I guess he did. Um, yeah. So that's the rule my dog's living by. Anyways, we're not going to go into that. So uh, anyways, so hey, Pete, I had a bookie what come out. Wait, what's this? A book? I had a, I had a, a, my bookie book. I never knew out. you had such a thing. Yes, yes, my book. It 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 feels it feels more tangible, more real now. Uh, it's called Church Plantology. I'll just hold up so you can see it. It looks like a uh, high school science textbook. You know, it's funny, man. Actually, hey, are you still doing the contest where if you take a picture of the book and put it on social media, you're going to do something? I think so. Yeah, I think I, we're doing that. I want to get my wife to, to take a picture of me reading the book, but I want to be on the toilet reading it. <laughs> So yeah, I, I have a lot of these books to give away. So a couple things um, I need. If if you like it, if you get it and you like it, it was on sale yesterday for like 20 bucks. Um, I, I probably shouldn't tell you that, but what's the retail Amazon, on it? Well, 36 because it's a 500 page textbook. But it this thing was yo-yoing all day. Like I went out there and said, hey, everybody, it's 20, you know, launch day, $20. And uh there's the train. I've got my balcony door open. I'm in my... Wow. wow. He waited till he was right in front of your balcony oh, door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's wide open. It's that Peyton guy. Wait for it. Wait for it now. And, uh... <coughs> but, um... Uh, I don't remember what I was saying. Amazon? Amazon? Price review. jumping all around. Oh, launch price day. Price was jumping all over the place. No sooner would I say, hey, it's this, and the price would change. People would well, like, it change again. All I got to tell people is you just need to strive to become an influencer, and then Zondervan will actually send you a book in the mail. Correct. With a great little letter from the author. Correct. Yes. That he did not write. But, you know, they looked it's at it. It's finally here. They sent it to me, and I said, yeah, that looks like something I would say. <laughs> It wasn't. It's. I mean, I get those letters all the time. Same letter everyone gets, but um, have my name signed at the bottom. And and I meant those thoughts. I mean, I I would have thought those thoughts. I just would have said like, "Hey, stupid! <laughs> Here's my book." You know, I would have. You would have said, uh, "Hey, take a picture of the book and put it on social media, and uh, tag me in it." And I'll, and I'll an Amazon review. Yeah. So for those of you that got it, um, you're looking at it. Please write me an Amazon review. That is what I need. If you want to know what to give back, I'm not asking for much. I just need an Amazon review. It doesn't have to be written well. Uh, it doesn't even, I mean, I would prefer to be a five star, but uh, I need reviews on Amazon. So uh, my goal is to have 100 Amazon reviews within 30 days. If I get that, that helps the book get visibility. And I would love to reach that algorithm. So, yeah. So, Pete, I need your review, baby. Let me have. Yeah, it. but that would require me to read it. <clears throat> you, you can listen to it on Audible. How many hours is it? Uh, let me tell you now. Hold on, it's got an Audible. I'm calling an Audible here, and uh, it is. It is. I have. It's about fifteen hours and some. Uh, here you go. Here you go. 
London, published his groundbreaking work, Missionary Methods, St. Paul's or Ours. Over 100 years later, the book remains you know, that's copyright infringement. appreciated as a standard mystery. Is it actually copyright infringement? Well, if you do too much of it, yeah. Oh, you got wow. fair use and then it goes into copyright infringement. Wow. Wow. Can't play my own book. Crazy. No, my own podcast. Zondervan claims yes. your book. Yeah, but can I stop them? Hey, you can't play my book. My bookie book. Can yeah, I do well, that? Can I'm I happy them? for you. I'm happy that you got Thanks, a brother. Thanks, brother. So uh, anyways. Um, so Peyton, why did the book have to be written? <laughs> yes, the standard questions. Well, it, actually, that's a fantastic question, Pete. I'm glad uh, you we're not going to jump into that without you doing the commercial first. Oh, oh hold on. Let me pull it up. Uh, buy some time for me. Hey, hey, you. Do you have problems with getting your sermons on your website? <laughs> okay. This is going to be me, the shortest, let me, shortest sponsor ever. Let me, let, me, uh, let me actually read the ad. Hey, pastors, you spend countless hours preparing for your messages, then preach your heart out each and every week. But then what? How can people in your church or online find those messages again? Not just last week's message. But what about last month's or last year's? If people are going to your website to listen to your previous messages, they're probably having to scroll through endless pages to find that message. Or they're being instructed to go to YouTube or Facebook to listen to it, which is frustrating, not to mention distracting. That has to be a better way. Well, friends, now there is. Sermon Boss is an audio video live streaming platform, which comes with a podcast that you can easily integrate in your church's website and church app so you'll no longer need to send your people anywhere else to find your teachings. Sermon Boss will allow people to easily search for or find, discover, and even customize a personal playlist from your teachings right from your website. Sermon Boss easily integrates with other platforms so you can keep your YouTube, Vimeo, and Facebook followers without having to send them away from your website to find your live stream and previous messages. Go to SermonBoss.com today and schedule a free online demo and see how easy it is to make your teachings more accessible and even in greater impact for the kingdom of God. We look forward to hearing from you. Sermon Boss! And that's going to be the new way to read that from now on. And uh, I think he wanted you to do it for a reason, Pete. Well, I'm sure it's not because he wanted quality. <laughs> M-O-G. I mean, uh, this is going to be a thing. Yeah. Next time we go to conference, we're going to hear someone go, Sermon Boss! <laughs> people people still to this day at Exponential sometimes yell out to me that. Mogiv? Because uh, we used to have a thing where we'd, yeah, we would we would tell people, hey, say it to us in the conference. Mogiv was people. great until somebody bought them or something, and then we lost our contact, and then... <laughs> They were gone. And then that was before the dark times for the emperor empire. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, dude, I just watched star Wars episode three with my kids. Dude, it is so good. It started oh at gosh. episode four. Right? What is this episode three business? <laughs> dude, you gotta, go, you gotta rethink your life. That movie still holds up and it's still super good. Episode three is, I mean, it is just so good. So I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Darth Vader. Good stuff. That's and a bunch of what I like to call malarkey. Yeah, well, you know, hey, man, you know, uh, listen, I'm getting ready to uh, watch the uh, the other one. The um, what's it called? Rogue Rogue One. I'm going to watch that. Oh, one. you haven't seen it? No, I'm getting ready to watch it with Lib. She has not seen it. It's, That's but a you've good seen movie. it. Oh, yeah. A couple times. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I, was, I, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was a good I've only movie. I've seen it two times, I think. But hey, I, anytime I you really have ad at Hawaii. That's just cool. Yeah, it's pretty dang cool. So I'm excited for Liberty. She gets to watch it. I tried to get her into watching the Marvel Universe. We started with Iron Man, got halfway through it. And I'm like, hey, want to watch Iron Man again and you know watch the second half? No, it's okay. So I, I don't know if I'm going to Have you watched Marvel Falcon yet. and Winter Soldier? I think it's dumb. I think it is best that your brother's your best friend. Yeah. So I liked WandaVision. I'm not that that You're much not of a in the fan. Fact. Are you serious? Well, I really like so Winter Soldier movie was my favorite Marvel movie, right? Other than like Endgame and Infinity War, I love those. But um, yeah, Winter Soldier was my favorite like standalone Marvel movie. Um, but 
I this show just isn't doing it for me. It's kind of trite and dumb. Wow, you like it? Yeah, it's really good. Huh? huh. But you and I have totally different opinions. We totally like, do. We've discovered over the last eight years, we actually have nothing in common. I find it slow, boring, and almost laughable. Like some of their um, their uh, dialogue, even oh, even in um, WandaVision. There was one point at which they were doing the tropey detective show stuff so badly, I actually thought they're making fun of it here. It has to be a joke. It turned out it wasn't a joke. I thought they were going to find all of a sudden they were in Wanda's fantasy world, like in some cop drama, and, and they weren't. And I was like, oh, because that would have been really funny. And I totally thought they were there because the drug, you know, you've gone too far this time. You're over the line, mister. Yeah, I'm outside of your jurisdiction. And I'm like, this is funny stuff. Like, this is every cop movie, you know, everywhere. And, uh, but anyways, yeah. So, what, yeah, I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling it yet. Captain America is bad, though. I think I got that so far. He's turning bad. Well, yeah, he kills a guy on camera. I ain't seen it yet. I oh, you seen that That's part. a good episode. No. no, I'm, I'm on the part where they, uh, which episode is it? Um, I think uh, he's no longer Captain America. Captain America tells him, "Stay out of my way," and uh, and then they go off. Okay, you know. So they're oh, they just picked the dude out, um, and he put that hood on. The bad dude, he put the hood on, and then they went and raided the the shipyard. They're in that city, and now they're in some car driving off. Yeah, I like he, that dude. I like the bad dude. He's, he's cool. He's no longer Captain America. Uh, well, you can't tell me the show. Like, uh, I'll keep Alkin watching has the it. Shield now, and you so can't tell me this. He's training with it because. Why, why are you telling me all this? Like, uh, you want he's me to watch be it? The like first it, right? black Captain America. That's, that's what they're kind of cool. That's what they're going for. But what are you going to nice. call him? Falcon Cap. Cap I, well, it was funny because now that you say that, now the scene where he goes, "Oh, you're the Black Falcon," and he goes, "Are you the Black Kid?" <laughs> He's like, you're just, you're just kid. Well, and, and the joke was back in the eighties, he would have been in the credits, black kid, you know? Oh, that's true. Huh? Yeah. And I thought like when he said that, I thought they were kind of poking fun. Like, yeah, times have changed. They used to, they used to say that in, in film credits, but I like now that they, he basically now has already preempted, like, this is not black Captain America. This is just Captain America. Hey, what did you think of uh, the trial this week? I didn't watch it, but uh, to be honest, uh, what I do know, I am glad that um, he got manslaughter for that. Yeah. Um, I've, I feel it was deserved, and I feel that um, f- for the fact that it has been so politicized, like justice, you know, the symbol for justice in America has a blindfold on for a reason. Um, if that were done to anybody, a white on white, a black on black, like a cop does that to anybody, um, you, you just got to ask yourself. If well, that here, here's the here's the one thing that I'll say right before you go into that, because I don't want to talk about my book. Huh? I felt exactly what you're saying when you see the, the video of him kneeling right. on the guy's neck. And then when you see the other video that they waited three, four months to release, which is from his point of view, his camera. And you're like, wait a second, dude, he's being totally nice to the guy the whole time until he has to put him down. And then you're like, wait. Okay, this is like a totally different take on it. So I honestly, I I didn't have an opinion on it one way or the other because I didn't hear anything. I didn't watch the trial. Yeah. I didn't hear anything that was said one way or the other. You know, I, we, I didn't. We have this thing in America where like cops can do anything without impunity. And well, that, now, don't yeah. get me wrong. I I am I am I'm not anti cop at all. Um, but at the same time. Um, uh, kneeling on a dude's neck is just a no-brainer. I mean, that that's that was actually gonna... taught as as part of their training. This is what you yeah. do to get people under control. Cops, cops are not. Tra- you know, it's funny. My brother, like, I've said a million times before, his combat infantry, and he's like, "Cops are not trained well to handle these no. situations." He goes, no. "I'm combat infantry. I've been in you know many different theaters of war." Uh, he, my brother was in charge of policing New Orleans. If an infantry guy had done what most of our cops do, they'd be court-martialed. Yeah. Like, and thrown in jail. 
Yeah, my brother had a significant role in the policing in New Orleans after Katrina, and that was a domestic police policing or, uh, operation. And again, like I said, my brother, National Guard, um, trained to handle that, was a Marine before that. Um, combat infantry has been a, a, a big part of, of his career. And he'll just tell you, police are not trained with the same standards. They're also not held to the same degree of accountability that a U.S. soldier is held to. That needs to change, and I feel that it is changing, and I feel it's good. I think the police should be a little afraid to um, do harm to a citizen. I I feel that that is a good place to be for – and people say, well, but, you know, these guys, they got to fear for their lives all the time, and they got to – I understand that. I'm not going to negate that, but um, if, if that is the sticking point, you need another career. Right. Like that comes with the job. That's like saying a soldier, um, you know, is, um, you know, he has to think about his life and his safety. Well, that might not be the best line of work if that's your chief concern. Um, a soldier is called to lay down his life at any moment. And our police officers, unfortunately, um, are asked to do the same. And so when the argument comes out that, hey, they might die and they were scared. Um, I get that. That's human. But the point is, that is the job. And if you are not made out for the job, uh, you would not have been the first to be in the wrong career, um, not kitted out for what you need to do or what it takes to carry out that job. But that, um, in, in the, it, it, to me, it, it doesn't matter what came before it. The kneeling on the neck part was um, that led to his death, led to his death. And whether it was premeditated it does not appear to be premeditated, but that's why manslaughter. Yeah, seems but you see, that's be. the part that always I, I found really interesting is the uh, the medical examiner was like, "Look, if you take away everything, all of the the video and the the political, you know, the riots, everything," he goes, "We would say he died because he overdosed on fentanyl. He had three times the lethal amount in his body." Right. And that's why I just look at it. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad I wasn't on that jury. I wouldn't even, I mean, I wouldn't know. But, but what people don't know often when it comes to drugs is that, that number, that figure of what a lethal amount is considered to be changes for an addict. An addict can carry right. no. over that, a lethal that was, amount, no problem, and not die from it. Like, I, right. I doubt George Floyd would have died that. Even, you know, despite what the toxicology report is. He would not have died that day if most likely if, if someone had not kneeled on his neck yeah. for that length of time. So, and that's just part of being an addict. You can, you can carry a lot. I know. I know. I'm just saying, I'm just glad I wasn't on the jury because man, that would be. It was a tough play. It was a tough place to be, but I also, you know, I, I think. But people, I agree with I, you. Like, I agree that the cops, like I, I'm not a huge cop fan because I think. <laughs> you don't say. Well, but I mean, like, well, I, it's I more, don't believe it's not that you don't dislike cops. It's that we need accountability. I think, no one it, should I think be the allowed. system's broken. Yeah, the system's broken. And we got cops who are pulling people over, writing up tickets for victimless crimes. Like my wife just got a $400 ticket for speeding. I'm like, that, that's a totally victimless crime. Like she was literally going too fast on one side street was barely over the limit. Like right. that's a victimless crime. Why are we even doing this to people? Because money. Because money. You, you got to understand that those those crimes um, are the crimes that target people with money, and there are different there are different policing actions that target people without money. Yeah. And the, when they need money, they go to you. They go to me, and they take they take the money from us. But there's another reason why the other communities are targeted, and that's coming to the surface. They are helpless. They are powerless. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about this, right? Like people that are powerless. The Bible talks about being the friend of the poor, coming to those who suffer injustices. So for me, I, 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 if I get away from any kind of media spin on both sides, by the way, I don't appreciate the media spin on either the liberal or conservative side of these things because they're both inflammatory and emotive in nature. If I step back, and I prayerfully analyze and think about it and, and run everything through the filter of scripture. It's a different animal. 
And, um, and I'm off politics. Like I looked at my, uh, Apple news feed today, Pete, and it was, um, it was the equivalent. The headlines were the equivalent of junior high gossip. Really? So-and-so melts down over blah, blah, blah. Um, so-and-so lights into such and such over their hypocrisy. And it was like, what is this like? Is this like that show? What was that entertainment tonight? Like where it was just a gossip rag. And and to me, it's just such a lack of journalism. I have been impressed um, that I have seen, um, you know, a little more calling out of, of people recently from their own sides on, on both sides of the aisle. And I, and I think to myself, that gives me hope. Um, hypocrisy and injustice is wrong, no matter who's doing it. And I am seeing a little bit more of that, but the media by and large, I think has, has devolved into gossip rags and I, I'm just not interested, you know, but Hey, we got a book to talk about. Why'd you make me wax political Pete Mitchell? Before no, we I talk just, about I, the book? You, you brought it up before we started the podcast. Well, like, I, I've got another show uh, with Myron Pierce and Daniel Yang on <clears throat> how to lead through uh injustice um when when people feel injustice is being done how do you can you hear all that yeah (laughs) okay it's really bad i got a towel cutter and i got someone laying a floor so pretty crazy over here sorry about that so anyway you were saying about this podcast that's what you guys are talking about why did the book need to be written pete that's not my question it was your question then you go but before i get into that i want to know what you thought about the george floyd ruling (laughs) What kind of question is that? You don't want to interview me about my book. He does not like book interviews. He already interviewed you last week about your book. Did you see the guy on Facebook who said, and he took a picture of himself and he said, um, you can look at my Facebook wall. He said, here's me reading the book. Um, he had it on on his iPhone. And he says, and, and if I buy a copy of the book and I win, will you have Pete Mitchell sign my copy? Did he really? He did. He did. See, that's the kind of people I need in my life. <laughs> Instant best friend. <laughs> what are you doing next Saturday? Well, I saw one of your uh, one of your Facebook friends recently friended me, so I friended him. You know, I accepted the friend request, and he wrote, he wrote, oh, you know, uh, uh, Peyton Jones just came out with this book. I'm so looking forward to getting into it. I've been listening to his podcast since like 2015. With his co-host, like just, I'm just co-host. <laughs> so I think I put a comment. I'm like, sorry about the podcast. <laughs> it's just that like- was so funny. Yes, uh, he, he. You have at times been treated like a tee ball uh, tee, like a golf tee. Like you're just there to hold hold up. Just the there golf. to hold the podcast up. That's I'm it. here to keep That's it going. It. That's it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. The book was written uh, really. I, I, I'll tell you the one thing I feel about this book. Um, speaking with Alan Hirsch, Hugh Halter, Brian Sanders, Brad Briscoe, some of the people that that think like us. This is our church planning book. There has not been a church planning. There have been good church planning books out there. Don't get me wrong. But this is the apest team leadership, um, church and public space, missional stance. This is this is the church planning book that I still can't believe didn't exist before. That that people from various tribes all over with with the message that's been really preached for the last 10 years, this is this is the church planning book for our people, for our tribe. And that's what I feel about this. To be honest, that's why I feel it needed to be written. So when I got approached, Zondervan didn't say, Hey, could you write one from, you know, the perspective of the first century church or whatever? They just knew me. And they're like, Hey, we know you're a practitioner. We need a practitioner book. But for me, the more that I started mapping it out and, and writing it, I knew this is a book that is going to fill a gap because so, so many church plants are built on the foundation of, I would say, the shifting sands of the church growth movement. And this book says, let's build it on the solid rock of, of the first century and the book of Acts and the epistles. So uh, in chapter one of your book, which I've only read the first two chapters, and by the way, the second chapter was painful for me to read. But Why? 
because you're in his learning buff. curve. Yeah, you're good. And I'm like, oh, this is painful. Ugh. Ugh. So I only do this for previous best friend for, <laughs> for, for the, the tender of best friends. Uh, so anyway, I like that you put your glasses on when you get serious. This is great. <laughs> you make it look so good. This was actually a line I used to do in financial planning. You know, someone showed me their paperwork. I had like these little ones, right? I'm like, so oh, good. This is this is good. This is good. I oh, like what you did here, but I have a few concerns. You actually use that? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Just take the glasses off, but I have a few concerns. <laughs> Just oh yeah, it's great. So hey, uh, tell us the difference between uh, church starting and church planting. Ooh, glad you asked. It will be no surprise that this is actually a little bit um, of a punk move, and I feel slightly guilty for it. Um, In chapter one, I actually contrast church planning with church starting. And I say a lot of what you've read is church starting. It focuses on the church itself. It puts the church out in front. It becomes an idol. Um, It, 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 Jesus, the gospel, all that stuff kind of takes a backseat. You know, you make people wear t-shirts, you know, my church is awesome, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, the church is like the big focus. We're this big church in the neighborhood. And, and that's church starting. And it's very much a church is a focus. And we all know what that is. Whereas Paul, when you read in the New Testament, he is very much starting. He's planting a church. He's taking the seed of the gospel. He's sowing it. He's entering. I mentioned six things that Paul does to church plant. Things like um, there's an over, there's a heavy reliance on prayer. There's a um, uh, there's he's entering the rhythms of the community. He's boldly preaching the gospel. Um, you know, and I I walk people through Acts thirteen and fourteen and say, look, he's doing the same thing in the same order. And of course, I make the the point that you just highlighted, which was, but Paul, of course, as soon as you try to nail him down, that was his first missionary journey. Every time that Paul ends up doing a mission, um, he changes it up because he's learning. And so what I was hoping to do in chapter two was bring the planter with me um, so that he would be on that journey of learning as well, you know, and realize you're not the only one that because you're going to fail forward in church planning. And that's okay. So did Paul, but we can also learn from him. He said he was a wise and master builder. So let's learn from his mistakes. And I pulled the principles out from all of his missionary journeys. Now, um, so far, uh, a few people I know, like there's a guy that's a PhD, teaches church planning courses. He read it and said, I've never seen this stuff before. Um, Briscoe was like, I, you've connected things to acts for me as a planner. I've never seen, you know, um, and he's been working in AM for like 20 years. So, so I do feel that the book has unique contributions to the church planning conversation. I actually think there's probably about 10 of the 20 chapters are significant in that they postulate things that have not been, um, postulated. Uh, and, and they're from practitioners. So the, the church plantology principle is where scripture, best global missionary practices, and church history overlap. And the reason church history is important is if it's in the scripture and missionaries are still doing using those principles today, then obviously when a, a move of the spirit happens throughout history, you would expect to see those things making a cameo again. So to me, that is a church plantology principle. So, but I have to show it in the scripture. I have to show it in global missional practices and I have to show it in the other places. So let me ask you here. um, You, you compare church starting versus church planning. And (laughs) and I thought this was funny because this is some stuff that that uh, I didn't get credit for, but uh, I, I think I've been part of the the formulation of your thoughts on this over the years from uh, the Church Planner podcast. That's fair enough. Uh, church starting, choose a sexy church name, design a sexy church logo. I just thought those are funny, man. Because I'm like, dude, how many times have we talked about that stuff? Yeah, Market like yeah. mad, attained hurdle. But one of the interesting things was when you compared that to church planting, um, one of the points you made here, pick a fight with something. Expand on that idea. What do you mean by pick a fight with something as a church planting concept? Yeah. So picking a fight is um, it's actually, you know, 
What's that? Bob Goff. Pick Bob a fight. Goff. You remember Did him? Did you say that? Yeah, we wrote him in the Church Planner magazine. Pick oh, a fight. Maybe that's where I got that from. Maybe, because I remember it from that. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I, it must have stuck out to me when he said it because, um, picking a fight for me is picking a fight with something in your community. You know, it's, it's, you have something that is bothering you. I, I, I like to think of it. You and I, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about the, um, Good Samaritan where he couldn't just keep walking by. You know, he had to do something about it. So when I think of picking a fight, it's that area in your community where you're like, I have to go take this on. Like, I'm going to go pick a fight. Uh, You know, going back to William Wallace, where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. You know, that whole scene, he it's, it's now or never it's do or die. And Paul goes and picks fights, you know, in different parts. So in, in where, where you find Paul doing it is when, He's agitating the the circumcision group, and you know he's he's angering the Jews by preaching this gospel to the Gentiles. He's picking a fight with religion. He's picking a fight with um, you know blocking unbelievers out of the worship of God. So he goes in and he picks a fight. It causes riots. It gets them locked up, but it gets a lot of attention. And so picking his fight is strategic. And so I mentioned that as a strategy that, and, and for you, maybe it's picking a fight with kids aging out of foster care, which we've talked about. Um, maybe it's sex trafficking. It's something that you say. So like Di Hanke, I've, I've had him on various podcasts over the years. He was a co-founder of New Breed with me. He's currently doing Manumit Coffee in Wales, and they literally rescue people from sex trafficking and employ them in his coffee roasting business. And that's the fight he picks, and he, you know, sees them come to faith. Not all of them do, but a, a number of them do. And uh, and and he uses the proceeds of that to further fight sex trafficking. And that came, by the way, when Andy Tuvey, the guy who is the director of the Jump School video series, actually, um, he was uh, asked to make a documentary exposing sex trafficking. He's one of the church planners in early New Breed. They seized a large cache of money from a sex trafficking ring, and they used that money. The money was given to raising public awareness. He went in that film project and made these amazing films that raised the social awareness in Britain. And, um, yeah. so and, and, and that was something where they just couldn't keep walking by. So another point that you make here, and and I thought this was really uh, potent. If you boil down all four of those recordings of the same conversation, you come up with five things he wanted them to focus on. Uh, Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the triune God, teach them to obey God's commands, go to all the nations, preach. And then you have a comment in the next paragraph from Ralph Moore, and I thought this was really interesting. If you plant churches, discipleship may or may not happen. Yet if you devote yourself to making disciples, churches will inevitably be planted. Uh, Expand. (laughs) Uh, Only if you go. Now, something concerns me about that. I have concerns about this. I would like you to delve more into that. (laughs) You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. So here's here's what happens. Um... You know, I I recently just came across a real life example of this. And I I keep mentioning this because I'm just so blown away. Like last week I was in Texas and I was with um, Bible League International, which they translate discipleship tools for people abroad. Well, what happened was they said, look, um, we're not in the church planner training business, but we're training church planners and albeit, you know, we don't know how good we're doing. I mean, they're planting churches and it's, it's working, but they said we were just training people to disciple, like mobilizing the everyday average believer to disciple and use discipleship. They call it project Philip. So everybody gets to be a Philip sitting next to the Ethiopian and explaining Isaiah 53 or, you know, gospel of John or whatever. And they said, but, once we empowered and equipped enough people in a nation to do that, churches just happen. All right. They, they, people didn't wake up and say, I'm going to get a sexy logo on a website. And boom, it was just faith communities were forming based on all these people coming to faith and getting discipled. So it, it's funny because I literally just had a real life example of that just 
in these conversations of them coming and saying, Hey, this is why we, we want to track with you and follow you and discuss church planner training with you, because this is what happens on the ground globally. Um, and of course, plantology, that's a part of it. I wish I had had that contact when I was writing the books. I surely would have put that in there, but that could be for my second textbook. There will not be a second textbook. So one of the other things you say in uh, the first chapter, and this might be the last question we really got time to focus on. You say, if you're not allowed to start a Sunday service, describe what your churches look like. Once you can answer that question, you're beginning to crack the code to defining what church planting is. What do you mean by that? Can't do a Sunday service. Yeah. So one of the things I do when I train planners um, is I will ask them. So I have this thing called citywide that I do on the ground, which is getting a bunch of people. We call it church planner training station. You know me. I like playing musical chairs. With you me. used to call it jump school. I didn't. <laughs> I went on your website and I was like, good God, he's calling something else jump school. I don't even know what so it is anymore. I, I just want to, I just want to set the record straight here. Let's go back in time. Shall we? You and I developed a course online. Everything My, you call jump school, literally everything. Let's just set the record straight. Jump school originally was meant to be core team training. And you said way back then, well, we could use these movies. Why don't we just call that jump school? And I go, okay. <laughs> Ever since then. Ever since we did that, you're, that is true. That is actually the movies what happened. came out after we did the training. No, the movies <coughs> I filmed in 2011. I filmed those in 2011. I was building that um, way early on. And his post-production stretched out a little bit. But we, um, yeah, so Jump School was was old. In fact, we called Jump School um, our initial church planner training over there. But then we made the films oh, into the there was core another team. Jump School. So Jump School is always meant to be core team training. So my it, core it team might training have always is meant to be. Called, it, I have no problem with what it was meant to be. I've just told you over the years, you have to stop calling things jump school because well, no one has can't any idea what steal you're it. About. I understand, but you can't say, listen, the only confused people would be people early on with us, but jump school was always meant to be core team training. All I did was apply it to core. And as much as we joke about the musical and this and that, that's all I've called it. That's a, I've called two things jump school. One was our year long thing. The other was the core team training. So I'm setting the record straight right here. It was always meant to be core team training. So I just took it back is all that happened. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I still That's remember you and I had a conversation and I was like literally pleading with you. I'm like, please, here's the, all the reasons you can't call it jump school. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to call it jump school anyway. I'm like, uh, Hey, if you hadn't asked me to call it jump school the first time, we would have been fine. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I'll take your word for it. Take my sure. word for it. Hey, hey, who wrote a textbook here? Huh? I who know. Who's textbook? the published author? Just saying. I'm just saying. Well, look there, at the big authority. head on Brad. There's authority. <laughs> so anyway, so, back to the Sunday service. Yeah. So so one of the things that, that we train them to do is we train them to actually plan a church without a Sunday service. So we're, we're right away. Like they're, that's actually their assignment when they're training with us there. Um, we're actually doing field training. We're training them on the ground and we take them into a neighborhood and we say, right, you're going to plan a church here, but not on Sunday. There will be no Sunday service, right? What are you going to do? Once they crack that missional strategy, they have cracked the heart and soul of church planning. They cracked the code. Now it's like Paul in Philippi, who didn't start a Sunday service, but instead went and entered the rhythms of the group that met for prayer down by the river. That's how he met Lydia, the woman who um, worked in dyes and um, started a church, meeting with her in her own rhythm. And so that's what we're training planners to do. Now, I have nothing against a Sunday service. I, I hope and pray that they will eventually uh, do a Sunday gathering. Um, I think it's biblical. I think it's healthy. Uh, I think there's a way to do it that's very first century that will tick all the boxes that, that of church plantology principles, which are things that our listeners have heard for years and years and would benefit from. But um, but yeah, I think that's the heart and soul of it. Once once you can take and strip the Sunday service out, um, then then you're at the heart of missionary practice for that that is required for church planning. But unfortunately, church starting focuses, church starting focuses on running the Sunday service. Church planting 
doesn't need one. I can think right now of, uh, of someone who you and I have talked about over the years. I'm pretty sure his whole program is all about launching that Sunday service. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about, but I, you know, the book starts off with um, John Keating from Dead Poets Society and just says, hey, you're going to have to rip out probably the introductory chapter um, to, to most church planning books because they're built on that foundation. And that, that's not going to help you. Those are the church plans that fail. But you're not, your church plan is not going to fail if it's based on discipleship and evangelism. Just not. Yeah. You know? What, what fails in most church plans, we've talked about this before, what actually fails is the finances of the planter, because he, he doesn't go by though. And secondly, the large public gathering he had idolized in his mind fails. He never, he never or she never achieves that, and therefore uh, the church plant of their dreams fails. Not, not the actual hard work in ministry. That, that work doesn't fail. That's a sowing, that's a watering, and that's a reaping. So we've got to change our mindset. So this book is meant to shift the paradigm back to what ministry was meant to be and build church planning on that foundation. Interesting. So while you're doing all this church planning, <laughs> how do you deal with IRS compliance and uh, accounting well, and all that stuff you got to do for a church? Well, I go to Simplify Church, Pete. Uh, I was on an interview with Josh Henry yesterday for this book, and uh, Simplify Church helps me meet all of my bookkeeping, accounting needs, and IRS compliance. Wow, it's simplifychurch.com? That's I think right, they Pete. Would, they'd probably simplify my church. They would. They are dedicated to helping the non-math pastor, Pete, at simplifychurch.com. I love it. I yeah, love me it. Too. Me too. Never gets old. So, hey, uh, guys, we want to thank you today for joining us. I've been Peyton Jones, and this has been Pete Mitchell reminding you to buy church plantology everywhere fine Christian books are sold. That's it. I'm out. Sorry about the noise. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 